Hey, at Betches listeners, Sammy here. We have a special treat for you today. I had the pleasure of going on our newest podcast, Crown Jewels, this week to talk about Prince Harry's tell-all book, Spare. We broke down some of the most intriguing revelations from the book, including many of the stories that didn't make the headlines, which was all the way better ones. Be sure to head over to the Crown Jewels feed wherever you're listening now to hear the rest of the conversation. And without further ado, here is the latest episode of Crown Jewels. On this episode of Crown Jewels... Is Harry's signature move a second date in Botswana? How many times did he mention his Todger? We came, we saw, we read, and we're breaking down all of the details from Prince Harry's memoir, Spare. We are back with another episode of Crown Jewels, the elite podcast for the royally obsessed, presented by Betches Media. I'm Lex Nico. And I'm Samantha Bush, and today we have a very special guest. You may know her as the host of Morning Announcements and the At Betches podcast, but we know her as the fellow royally obsessed. Please welcome Sammy Sage. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. I am like so flattered to be here and also so happy that this podcast exists because it, it was sort of just something to satisfy my personal needs. Like I really just <laughs> needed there to be like a really good Royals podcast, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. I can back that up from our initial conversation, but I, I also like the sort of like organic development of this podcast where we were kind of talking and then I'm like, wait. I feel like Sam and I have a podcast on text where we just talk about the Royals constantly. Yeah. So why don't we all just engage here? But Sammy, we're so stoked to have you here because, wow, just wow. The last couple of weeks, we've been fed, as Samantha likes to say. We really have been. And now like we've finally been able to take the time to read the book. We've read the headlines. We've cracked the spines on these books, and I'm ready to get into it. For today's Tea and Crumpets, we're talking about all the things from Prince Harry's book, Spare, that we did not get to discuss last week. From the headlines to what was actually in the book, we're so thrilled to have Sammy Sage joining us here for the first half of Tea and Crumpets. We are going to break it all down. Let's get into it. So question. So what I understand is that there's a different experience between reading it, which is what I did. I finished it yesterday. And uh, listening to the audiobook. So from what I understand, Sam and I both read it and mm -hmm. Lex, you listened to the audiobook. Yes. So can you tell us about the audiobook experience first? Yeah. So I my book was late. It was supposed to arrive on Tuesday. Don't know why I pre-ordered for it to be late, but I was eager to start. So someone was like, oh, well, you get two free credits on Audible like if you sign up, so you should just start listening to the audiobook. So I started listening on Tuesday, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to commit to the audiobook because I think hearing his like inflection and tone provides a different connotation to the memoir in itself. That being said... Oh my gosh. I actually don't know what other people thought about the audiobook. Like, I mean, there's, I, I, I'm kind of like on two sides of the fence here. On one side, there were times where I was like doubling back 30 seconds, 30 seconds, because my like brain was glossing over and I found myself so bored, so mm -hmm. incredibly bored. Mm -hmm. But then on the other side of the fence, I was like, I actually built empathy for Harry in certain portions because it's like, you actually felt his sorrow almost and his mm -hmm. sadness, but 
It was it was a very interesting, albeit really difficult, I will say. I'm not an audiobook person. I like to read. I found it really hard to keep my attention. Were there any specific parts that you had the hardest time listening to? Like where you your mind was like so, just going other places? My mind was definitely going other places when he would like go on and on and on about like actually quite a bit about like things with like his brother or when we got into like the end of part two um, and part three when like he, you know, when they started having Will's and Kate's wedding and things mm -hmm. like that. And like I retained things, of course, but like I found myself getting pretty bored. And I don't know if that's just like the nature of the fact that at that point I had been listening to this audiobook for like 10 hours. <laughs> it's like a 15 hour audiobook. And I, I ended up putting it on 1.2 because I'm like, Harry, we got to we got to speed up. it up. But what I did really like and what came across was when he spoke about like being in the armed forces and mm -hmm. when he spoke about wanting to serve and fight like you really like for me. And I actually think it would be interesting to talk about what themes came out too, like him wanting to be of service and him wanting to make a contribution and his eagerness to feel like he was accepted in a space and an environment really came through when he talked about the army, for sure. Like he was passionate about the army. I have to say forces. that comes through a lot, even just reading the book. Like that was one of the biggest things I took away from the book. Yes, tell me about reading the book. So reading the book, I felt that like, what you experienced on audio, that's why I didn't listen because I'm not a good listener to something like that for so long. Same. <laughs> like come on, I could never. But <laughs> and you make it like doubly as long because of how many times it was you rewind. Commitment. Yeah, I will say that. But honestly, I don't think that's just your listening. I think that is what the book was like too. Because there's, it was mm. a slog. There was for such a scintillating topic. There mm -hmm. was so much that was just like it seemed that it just didn't need to be in there for both reasons, <laughs> tactical and um, literary. But I also think that he, to your point about the army, I completely agree. I actually think that like service and probably like human connection is Harry's best quality. It comes oh through gosh. that he's like not that intelligent. It comes through that he was raised a little bit like an alien. And that's why <laughs> we now have this tome and he him not understanding like why it was so unwise to put so many of these things in there. Mm -hmm. But it is clear that he is a very, you know, he is good at sort of like understanding or being with a person, I think, one to one mm -hmm. and like caring about them. But oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like his unique quality, which is great, which definitely comes through in like mm -hmm. all chapters. But so much of this was just like I it's both not even interesting, but it's also like a morbid curiosity. You're like, what's going to come next? <laughs> like, I know. Yeah. He's going to shit his pants at his friend's wedding. Like, I know. <laughs> why? What yeah. is that achieve? <laughs> You're trying to make a point. Mm -hmm. And like these people around him just, I don't know, like so ill-advised. Obviously, so he doesn't know what he's doing because mm -hmm. he was raised as an alien who was surrounded by three bodyguards at all times until he was 20. Like that's insane. Nothing mm -hmm. has ever – he's never lived like a normal person. So he doesn't understand what is like normal and appropriate to share for transparency versus and like narrative reasons versus just like spilling his brain. So whoever was advising him or whatever 
the however this played out, I largely blame those people. Same. I feel a lot of empathy for Harry as a human who has been yeah. like harmed by this institution that's sort of like inhumane. But as a public figure, I'm like, get a better advisor. I don't really feel that bad for him. I yeah. Know. So I was doing a bit of reading after I finally fucking finished the audiobook last mm -hmm. night. And I was reading about the ghostwriter. So his name is J.R. Moringer. He also wrote Andre Agassi's memoir, Open. But there seemed to be this theme. And I think I, 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 if I'm remembering, it, it's in part one or the beginning of part two, where Harry talks about like his dad loves Shakespeare. He's not super into books. He tried to open Hamlet. And it's like this like figure with his crazy family and da 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 da. And so the writer of the New Yorker article was talking about how the ghostwriter JR almost like made this like a Shakespearean play. Like there's part one, part two, mm -hmm. part three. And the way that it's extremely wordy and lengthy and the detail that they're writing with um, comes across like very Shakespearean. And they also drew parallels between certain like King Lear and Hamlet in like certain things that they um, talked about in this book. And I'm like, from that perspective, I understand, like, understand, quote, unquote, like, why it was so wordy and lengthy. But my God, it did not need to be. <laughs> it also seems very untrue to Harry, who himself said that he hates Shakespeare. So, yes. and I don't, do you think Harry even knew that? Like, to me, that. No. Hell no. To, not you have to really know Shakespeare to, to have caught on to that. Yeah, I think they chose, like, a bad ghostwriter. They needed carols. And yeah. can I ask a question? Every in, in the audiobook, there was so much he'd say a sentence, I think. So on mm. and so forth. Yeah. I think. Did that come across in the book? Because that yes. drove yes. me nuts. <laughs> yes. I think that is partly because he doesn't really remember things and the writers mm. or whomever pushed him to convey impressions that he has in his head about his memory, which is already like scientific everyone's memory is unreliable and like he admits mm -hmm. that he couldn't remember many things and I think that they pushed him to remember or include descriptions mm -hmm. that were sort of like vague and and unnecessary because that's how we remember our childhoods like they're only really mm -hmm. interesting to us mm -hmm. yes I thought that that was really interesting too is like he really wanted to drive that point home that like this was just his recollection of events this might not have been exactly word for word what Prince Charles said when Diana passed or or anything like that. So he kept just kind of in, like, just, yeah, like you said, just like, I think that this mm -hmm. is how it happened. And I'm like, okay. I, I <laughs> but mean, that's the part of the problem. Of right. No, that is part of the problem. And William probably remembers things differently. Charles remembers things differently. Everyone remembers things differently. And I said this last episode is like, everyone comes to the table with their own stuff and they all come from different relatively the same background but all different experiences so like they they remember all of this much differently I think than him mm -hmm. that's why I think it was not a wise choice to recount things in the narrative style that he did which was literally like chapter one I was born like it didn't need to be <laughs> like Right. You know, like it, I it crested could... my mother's vagina <laughs> okay he literally oh. wrote that about Megan it's having her second baby. He described that. Like you can describe your life mm -hmm. without 
the details and this particular like style of like this happened, then this happened, then this happened that he did. And he could have conveyed like a bigger point while sharing like choice pieces of information that aren't embarrassing and um, weird in some yeah. way. Because they're not going to come across like he wants them to. And this is the theme Lex and I say almost every week is like they one on one. I think they're great. Harry I think and Megan is when they, it, right? Yeah. yeah. And then but when it comes to what they share with the public, like it's not it doesn't come off the way that they they think it does because they have to be crazy. They can't help but defend against every slight, correct every story. Yeah. When all that does is just devalue every time they try to correct something. Mm -hmm. And he could have told such an effective story with like one third of what was in this book. Yeah. A thousand percent. And I don't know, maybe again, like we're all sitting here, but I know that the book broke like a Guinness World Record and like. It's doing fantastic, even though it's already on sale in some sh uh, shops and things like that. But, like, I almost would have wanted more, like, deep dives in things like his time in, like, Botswana or, like, when he went back to film the Elephants documentary. Like, those sort of, like, little pockets where we got this, like, okay, this is actually, like, the makeup of who Harry is. Like, sure, yes, we can hear a lot about how your brother and you had sibling rivalry, but, like, Again, maybe it's an audiobook thing. Like it got very repetitive. Mm -hmm. So it well, almost like it did. Well, expired out where it was like, I, I started the listening with like a ton of empathy for you. And by the end, I was just like, Harry, enough already, please. Yeah, there are so many things that I wish that he, like you said, would have kind of gone deeper into rather than just sprinkle these little things like over and over and over again, like throughout mm -hmm. the book. Right. It's sort of like listening to your friend but and all the scenes where they've complained about their life, but it's yes. all together meshed and you're just listening to it like straight through. So you have like middle school complaints and now you have st you still have like last year at my wedding, like you I didn't like what you said to me at my stag party. It's like it, it's but it's all meshed it's together. So true. So yeah. it's, so it just comes off across annoying. But that's why I make the that's why I make the distinction between I have empathy for him as a human, but mm -hmm. I yes. don't really feel so badly for him as a public figure. And the number one reason why came later in the book where he mentions that after they were cut off from the royal family when they were in Canada and, and Tyler Perry, whatever, took them in off the streets of Montecito. Because <laughs> Maxine Perry, Tyler Perry's mom, was a fan of Diana. Which, you know what? That I loved. Like, me that's too. Sweet. That was like I a would highlight do that, for me. I would do that for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of shit that would make the book really good and interesting. Mm -hmm. Just like without embarrassing anybody. But okay, I digress. So when they were, he says like, we could have gone into my inheritance from my mom, but we didn't want to do that because we didn't, we saw that as belonging to Archie and like his unborn sibling. And then he's like, and Megan had just found out she was pregnant. It's like, you, th you think I'm going to miss that? You're mm -hmm. sitting on an inheritance, Harry, and you're complaining about money. And you're, you're then saying like, oh, we got our 14 and a half million dollar house at a steep discount. It's like, if you really want to disappear and you really hate the press and you're really sick of them twisting your words and all of this, take, take a minute 
go live in a little a little house not a, not a, be that little it could be huge yeah, yeah. Like, it could still be huge <laughs> they could have taken that money from diana which i'm gonna guess was more than 10 million dollars which is plenty it's royal money like right. it's a lot and it of probably money probably grew because since she died only, stocks have only appreciated yeah. mostly yeah. like right. on the trend okay so if unless a moron is investing this money and they <laughs> haven't been like you have enough money to go buy a house or mortgage a house that is like reasonable pay for a year or two of security wait for things to die down and then like take it from there but like you have the ability to make money and your this inheritance is literally for this like that was mm -hmm. the purpose. That was what she probably was thinking. Like right. this is what I gave them an inheritance for. You also mm -hmm. have like uncles who could give you money. Her brothers and so, you know they would have given him money. He's not. It's not like he's never taken a dime from anyone before. And it's like you could have just gone and been quiet for a little bit. Mm -hmm. You didn't. Except you had to like correct the record and tell your story and like because you're a prince, everyone gave you those opportunities to do so. Yes. Didn't he speak to that fact with like the Oprah interview? He said two things that stuck out for me and I'm it's not a direct quote, but he said he did it because he wanted the money, like they needed the money. And mm -hmm. then they also did it, he also did it in that way um, because he was like, well, at least the words were coming from my mouth and our mouth and, and not, not behind palace AIDS. store sources. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So let the words come out of your mouth. Let's when they go low, we go high. Let the words come out of your <laughs> mouth in five years. I hate this whole um now that he has revealed like in his own words that he has this inheritance I'm like that just blew it's such bullshit yeah. if any one lost. person totally like you have enough money and you have places to get it and if you really wanted this to die down and just to be left alone like go hide away and you can afford security he said one person quoted him six million for security no like you can find it for less or like, maybe you don't need three bodyguards. I don't know. Right. I don't, whatever. <laughs> I also just think like, whatever. we've just been waterboarded with facts and headlines and the book and the documentary that I think we're all just kind of like, what exactly do you want? Yeah. Like, you want the family to apologize. You want them to take you. That will never happen. Now anymore. And now he's saying, I saw a headline this morning where he was like, you know, there are things I could have said that I didn't because they'd be unforgivable. I'm like, I think the entire book is unforgivable, Harry. He yeah. said that he has a whole other it's book. Insane. Yeah, please, please don't. If the queen didn't die, he would have kept more things in the book too. Uh, so for sure. a thousand percent. A thousand for sure. percent. I... Like you said, Sammy, I have huge empathy for him as like a human being. I feel like his life was really complicated and he lacked a lot of support from his parents, from mm -hmm. mainly obviously his pa, which I... Darling that, boy. <laughs> yeah. It took me a really long time to process like that he's calling Prince Charles pa. I don't know why it like really just like wouldn't like land. <laughs> but again, like... I just struggle with him. I struggle with Megan. I mean, it's just, it was tough. And the book, like you said, it was a slog. It was, there it was, was moments slog. where I was like, okay. The, a lot of the, I don't know if this is, you know, how a lot of people felt, but I, the war stuff really went on and on. Like, I feel like I know how to 
like can fly a helicopter. But he see, was I didn't so mind detailed. That. I think reading it, you might have felt differently. Okay, it was. I didn't it was, mind. It that. was just too detailed the way everything was. It was too detailed. Too detailed. That was the thing because I enjoyed hearing him about. I enjoyed reading. Excuse me, about how he was like you know, a soldier and how he wanted to be in the army and blah, blah, blah. I understand that. I appreciate it. I respect it. But the detail that he went into was so painful. It was bad. Well, I think that this was sort of the only place where he was allowed to get to earn any amount of self-worth. The only place in his life that That he was allowed to earn it. And I think for that's why it was so meaningful to him. And also, it was the only place where he was able to ever best William, who, mm-hmm. who like he was higher to, up, exactly. And he, but they sort of allowed him to be higher up because he like could. They wouldn't really let William go to war. Yes, I don't I, think William don't would go to war. You. No, I don't <laughs> get that impression. I think mm-hmm. he only wants to go to war because he doesn't want Harry to go to war better. You know. Yes. Yeah. Just generally, I want to hear your impressions of William because. He came across to me as just like a dick. But a then again, goob. if you're raised, say like everyone's just like the sun shines out of your ass, like this mm-hmm. is your divine yeah. right, like you would become a dick. That's how I felt. So when the queen passed away and everyone was posting videos of Prince Charles yelling at people about pens and saying he's a spoiled brat, I was like, yeah, he is going to be the king of England and was raised to be the king of England for 75 years. Of course he's going to act like this. Like, so William acting like this, it's a little bit of a shock, but not really. Um, to me, he comes across just like a spoiled older brother who's, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm going to be king. You're not. I don't, you know, I. that's just how he came across to me the entire time. Yeah, like he's a twerp is really. But twerp. like, again, they're all twerps in their own regard. Like you're talking about King Charles and the pen and signing and nobody taking it. It's like. He doesn't know any other life than signing something and somebody immediately grabs that pen from him. He doesn't know that he can just put it down and get up on his own. Like, you know, so I just find it so interesting, almost like the formalities of this family and how ingrained it is. Like, you never, like, I'm very curious. And based on the book, I feel like the answer is no, is like your granny passed away and I don't think you ever hugged each other, which is wild to me. So crazy. that's why the institution and like where my ultimate like empathy for Harry comes through is that like the institution is fairly inhumane to everyone in it. Just some Mm -hmm. people have better positions. And, but ultimately the relationship with the press is inhumane at its base. Like I understand that people like the monarchy, but if you like, if we all had a clean slate and it never existed, it would sound like a sacrifice, like a human sacrifice, sort of, mm-hmm. if you described the uh, dynamic. And it's all just really archaic. Everything yeah, yeah. is archaic. It has not caught up with 2023, you know, and I think Harry just keeps trying to mold and try to get his family to see that this is archaic while also trying to benefit from this family. It's really a strange, like, push and pull. Well, also in his generation, it has it has never been as, I think, terrible to live as a royal yeah. as it is in his generation because of like the press and the 24-hour news cycle. Like the first Queen Elizabeth was not getting chased around by paparazzi. No. Like, she was in charge, you know? Right. She was the queen. Yeah. Like, like it yeah. was a different – now it's evolved into something different, which mm-hmm. is way more 
inhumane of a living experience for the people who are involved. Thanks again for listening to this excerpt of Crown Jewels. The conversation continued without me with more details on Harry's book. So be sure to search Crown Jewels wherever you're listening now and hit subscribe. And I'll be back later today with a fresh episode of At Betches. So until then, may God save the Betch. Betches.